Excellent. Why don't you grab your seats? Uh, let's get into the word. My man Julian is bringing the word today. It's going to be fire. But before we get into that, I just want to share something really quickly with you. You may remember about two to three months ago, we took a heart for the house offering. Um, and we did that specifically to put in our kitchen, which you may notice is sitting towards the back corner of our church. There it is. Uh, <clears throat> not in its final position, mind you. Uh, we are waiting for a few council approvals. If anyone works for the council and can help us out, let us know. Uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, yeah, please, please talk to... Uh, Holly May has been bugging the hydraulic engineer even on his weekends. You need to stop. Actually, don't. Keep going. Um, but, uh, but it is really a, a council issue. We've, um, they've, they've had the flu go through there, and we can't actually start any plumbing works until they give us the approvals, and they have to come out and inspect. Anyway, that's a side story, but that's what's happening with the kitchen. And so with our heart for the house, we raised $10,000. So thank you to the church uh, for, for putting that together. That is fantastic. That will go towards our kitchen. And we do that free will offering once a year. But again, just wanted to let you know how much we raised and thank you for your generosity. Now, without too much ado, I want to invite Julian. Why don't you put your hands together? The man bringing the word. Awesome. Thank you. I thought you were going to talk longer, you know, fill the time so I, can, so I speak less. <laughs> It's awesome to see the physical or the tangible for what was the hut for the house over in the corner there. And I know we're, we're all very excited for when it actually uh, finally gets those approvals from council and we can actually put it into its, uh, into its place, yeah? Yeah, that's awesome. Morning, everybody. Um, it's an honor to be sharing the word with you all this morning. Um, Pastor Kim has started a new series about the attributes of God, and Pastor Melvin will be sharing in this series. Yours truly is sharing this morning on that series, and then Pastor Kim's going to close it up. Obviously, a little bit of a gap with camp next week, which is a worship night here in the house, but nonetheless, um, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Um, today, I'll be talking on the God's attribute of patience is for today, and I need all the help I can get from the Lord this morning. I've literally said to the Holy Spirit this morning, let me step off the stage and let you step on the stage. So would you join me in prayer right now? Thank you, Lord. Lord, we seek you this morning. Your presence is here with us. We've given you our worship this morning, Lord God, because you deserve it. You deserve more of it. But we also desire more of you. And now, Lord, as we move into a time of hearing your word, your living word, we pray your Holy Spirit to open our minds, our ears, our hearts. Let there be two voices this morning, Lord God. But let the voice of the Holy Spirit be the voice that reaches deep into the hearts of everyone here today, revealing something of your character, Lord God and moving us along and growing us in our journey with you. Give you all the glory this morning in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Alrighty, so patience. Um, this week was very testing for a lot of people with our church fasting. I love when Pastor Kim said, who enjoyed the fasting this week? It was like, 
two hands went up in the house. Um, I know for myself, it was, uh, it's always good. It's, it's a good thing, but it's also a, a challenging thing to fast during the week. Um, for myself personally, uh, we chose to fast from like food and, and sort of liquid during the day. And at nighttime, we were opening our fast of an evening with just vegetables or alternatively, uh, seafood was if there was any craving for meat, it was only seafood. And I think we went we went okay. We probably went a little bit overboard when the fast finally opened at night as a family. You know, we went hard and, and, we, and we did it well with lots of vegetables. And then we closed the fast again and we were very good the next day. I was just saying to Kelly a little bit this morning, you know, and Pastor Kim's like, who are you enjoying it? And I said, well, there was tension in the workplace because I was hangry most of the work, most of the work day. Um, so it tested my patience and I'm like thinking, oh my gosh, I'm sharing on patience on the weekend. This is going to be interesting. So my patience has been surely tested, refined, tested again and um, still refining and still a work in progress. Good morning. Praise the Lord. All righty, let's get into it today. Um, but think about it. What tests your patience? What are things that, that, that really, really test your patience? Um, I know one thing that tests my patience, and I'm sure a lot of people will agree in the house, is when you call up a government department. There's nothing more annoying than calling the government. Uh, I work for the government, so I know how annoying it is for the people outside my office to call us on the inside, and I also know on the inside how frustrating it is for us to just ring within the government. So believe me, it's on both sides. It's inside, internal, and external. But waiting on hold, and they say, you are number 30 in the queue, or you have you know, 25 minutes left until your call be answered. Usually it's a cue though, and you actually know how long until they pick up the call. And after a while, you just like, oh, look, this is ridiculous. I'll just call tomorrow and you hang up kind of thing. Um, sometimes it can be testing is waiting for maybe a promotion in the workplace. That can be something that can be really, really testing your, your patience. And you've been a diligent worker, you've been very loyal, and then all of a sudden someone new, like there's a job and you apply for it and someone external applies for it and the external person gets the job and you're kind of thinking, oh, I should have... I should have got that job. And I said, test your patience, yeah? And of course, you know, traffic, coming to church this morning, I know no one here in the house would have got upset or agitated by missing a traffic light that turned red at the last minute or someone cutting you off on the road because we're all Christians here. So we don't get angry about things like that, right? We're patient people because patience is a fruit of the Spirit. So I know I'm talking to everyone's on the same page. Hey, amen and amen. Alrighty, so in the, um, the definition of patience, according to the Oxford Dictionary, it's got two meanings that came up when I had a, had a look at it. One is patience of a person willing to wait if necessary, not losing one's temper while waiting, number one. Number two, constant in pursuit or extortion, persevering dash calmly diligent. They're the two definitions that come up. And there's a scripture I want to share. It will come up on the screen from 2 Peter 3, verse 9. It says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. We learn from this here, it talks about waiting that to be patient is the ability to wait for something that we desire or something that we long for or something that we really, really need without expressing irritation or frustration. Patience involves waiting. Turn to the person beside you, if you've got someone beside you, and say, what are you waiting for? It's funny when the person speaking tells you to do that and there's no one beside you, you're like, oh... I'll turn to the person behind me. We'll have to sit closer together, right? 
I'm sure everyone here have got things on your heart that you've been praying to God for. Now, I know there's some things that we wait for, um, like your power bill, your water bill, those things, you, you know, you know it's coming. But there's things God has got or things you're seeking the Lord for, big things, big things in your life that you've got on your heart and you've been waiting. Some of you have been waiting for maybe months for something, but some of you have been waiting for years and years, and it seems like a really long time. Some of you are wondering whether God has even heard your prayer, is even going to answer your prayer. Some of you have thought many times about giving up about that thing you've been waiting for. When I was um, 11 years old, uh, my mum and dad took me to Disneyland in America. Uh, put your hand up if you've been to Disneyland, like the one in Anaheim, California. There's a few of us here. They say it's the happiest place on earth. Would you agree? Oh, okay, sort of. Sort of. <laughs> when you go as an 11-year-old child, it is one of the happiest places on earth. And to be in America, it's very, very exciting. Now, when we went there, there was a new, a newish ride called Splash Mountain. It was located around the center of Disneyland, which is a massive theme park. You've got to put your mind back to 1990s um, Australia. We didn't, I don't think we even had Movie World at the Gold Coast at the time. It was only SeaWorld or DreamWorld. So we didn't really have a big choice. And going to Disneyland is just like massive. It's huge. And Splash Mountain was the most popular ride in the, in the American summer of 1992. So we were only at Disneyland for a couple of days and we thought, oh, we've got to go to um, check out Splash Mountain. We did most of the other rides. And we got there. It was one of those rides where the queue was outside the actual ride, like it started outside. So you line up as you do. We were waiting for ages and we finally went inside the sort of the railings to begin entering what was the long queue inside the ride. And there was a sign and it said, three hour wait from this point. After we'd been waiting for like 45 minutes just to get into the, the waiting area, three hours. We only flew 14 hours from Australia to Los Angeles for a very short two-week holiday. Three days of that in Disneyland and we're at this ride and we're going to wait three hours. I mean, the park's only open a certain amount of hours a day. But we decided we'd sit it out. And after three hours, comes down, you get the next one, two-hour wait from this point, and then eventually you get to the one-hour wait. And by then, you, people start leaving, some start sticking it out. But if you really want to go on it, you really want to go and experience that whole five minutes of that ride, <laughs> you stick it out. But there was something unique about this ride that kept us in the queue. And I know this is common now, but back then this was unique. It was a flume ride, so it's like a log ride with a five-story drop at the end. There was nothing like that in Australia. So this was like really cool. And also very cool back then was it took your photo as you went down that five-story drop to capture your reaction in your moment of fear or thrill going down that slide. So we waited it out. And I tell you, it was worth every minute of those five minutes of that ride, particularly the five-story drop at the end. So you learn as a young child that patience is a virtue. Amen? Sometimes we pray long and hard about a situation in our life without receiving any answers. And sometimes we just learn to live with it and just say, look, this is our, my lot in life. But God hears those prayers. And so the question is not if we'll wait for something, but rather how we'll wait. How we wait will determine how long we wait. There's two ways, there's two ways to wait we can either wait passively or we can wait expectantly. So a passive person 
hopes something good will happen, waits for it, waits for it, and then at some point will just like, give up about it. But an expectant person waits with a heart full of hope, expecting the answer is just around the corner. You've got such confidence that this is going to happen that you're just waiting. It's just a matter of time because there's such a hope in what you're waiting for. An example is a woman pregnant with a baby. You can't see the baby. You go to a scan. Okay, it shows there's something there. But you can't, like, you can't see it until baby comes out. They say that you're expecting a baby. That's what we say when someone's pregnant. They're expecting a baby. But you can't see it. But you have a hope and an expectation that at the end of your, your time, the baby will come out. It's not like, hmm, don't think it's there. And all of a sudden, you know, the baby just disappears. The baby will come through. It's an expectation and it's something that's real. So we know the word means to expect or to look for. But we also know another word when we're talking about waiting means to serve. If you go to a restaurant, a waiter will wait on your table. So in other words, someone is serving on you when you're waiting. Someone is waiting on you, they are serving you. So there's expectation and there's also servanthood involved in this as well. Our act of waiting isn't supposed to be spent sitting around passively hoping that something will happen sometime soon. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 actually uses the words, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Another translation uses a slightly different word for wait. It says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. You see, we're talking here about patience. Patience is involving waiting, serving, and hoping. Paul and Silas uh, were doing their ministry, and in um, Acts 16.24, there's a part there where they went to a town, and a girl was a, um, a fortune teller in the city. And people would pay money to go to this girl to have their fortune told. And, of course, she's dealing with the demonic spirits to work out people's future and so forth. But then when Paul and that were walking around the town, she started following them for about three days, the Bible says, and she was declaring, these are the men of God, these are the, the men of the great high God, which was true. But it started to annoy Paul because Paul knew that this girl was also associated with the occult during the week. And although she was proclaiming a truth about him, he knew at the same time that she was also involved in something very ungodly. And so it got to a point where they prayed for her and delivered her. And it says in the Bible that within an hour, the demon came, demon, demonics and the demons came out of her. And this upset her father. And he went to the local, local court, so to speak, because he was upset because his uh, income stream through his daughter of doing the fortune telling had come to an end. And then a great crowd got involved. They arrested Paul and Silas and threw them into jail. The Bible says they were taken into the inner part of the jail. Now, if we know the inner part of the jail back in those times, we sort of been talking about like the dungeon. This would have been like solitary confinement, like a really, really restricted area. We know that their feet were shackled and their arms were chained up. And it tells us in the Bible that they were waiting, waiting on the Lord. Now, I don't know about you or me, but um, I've in previous job roles, I've been to Wakehold Prison and a few of the local prisons here, um, just for the record and on the camera, I've never been in jail uh, formally, uh, but I have been to jail for work. And I can tell you, it's, um, it, I wouldn't want to stay there for a long period of time. We've gone in for work for a couple of hours and you come out, but people stay there. Like prisoners are there, they're locked up. 
And I must admit, compared to what you read in the Bible, I think that our Australian prisons are probably quite luxurious compared to what they would have experienced back in those times. There's no bolts and chains and that kind of thing. But you can imagine, it would have been a very dark and dungy and horrible place. But how did they respond to their waiting? We don't know how long their sentence was. Was it 10 years, 20 years, a life sentence? We don't know what it was. Let's say it was 10 years. That's a long time to wait. And most of us would just sit there reserved to our sentence. This is what it is. But they decided to change the how in terms of their waiting. This was an opportunity to evangelize within the prison. This was an opportunity to pray. And they began to sing hymns, it says, to God. So in other words, they started praise and worship with their chains, with their feet shackled, and they started worshiping and praising God. And other prisoners and prison guards all began hearing the word of God being praised in song, praised in worship, praised in prayers, going up to the great high God. They used their wait time and turned it into a, how are we going to use this time? How are we going to use this time constructively? You know what? When you start praising God, the wait time doesn't seem so long anymore. In fact, the wait time is really significantly reduced because it tells us here in the Scripture that after this happened, once they started praying, an angel appeared and it says, and all at once, all the doors were opened and everyone's shackles were unfastened within the prison and they literally walked out of the prison. Amen? This is what happens when we sit there and we decide not to just wait passively, but we wait expectantly, knowing that God's got our back. We know that God has, He knows our number, He knows who we are, and He hasn't left us behind. You know, some battles are won in victory, but other battles are won in endurance. When I was preparing for this message this week, the one verse that kept on coming over and over my heart, was Psalm 23. And we're just going to put it up on the screen. Here it is. Here we go. Let's just have a look at it, just the first four verses. And it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refers my soul. Sorry, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, some translations say the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's a beautiful psalm. Songs are being written about this psalm. It's a psalm a lot of people can recite. You hear it a lot at funerals as well about this. But you know, the person who wrote this psalm was King David. But we know King David started his life working as a shepherd. So as a shepherd, he had a very good perspective and understanding of what the role of a shepherd was. Quite often in Jewish families, the youngest son was afforded the role of the shepherd. And their role was to take the sheep out there in the pasture, in the valley, in the fields, through the seasons, through the cold, through the heat, through the rain. Whatever the season was, their job was to look after each and every one of those sheep. And as it mentions there that they had a staff, and a rod. And the staff and the rod actually have meaning. So the rod conveys to us the concept of authority, power, discipline, and the defense of the sheep. The rod is also used to help count the sheep. The staff, on the other hand, has a hook on the end, and that one's also used to protect the sheep. So if the sheep are going out of the flock, they can get the hook and draw them back into the flock, draw them back in, draw them, keep them all together. See, the shepherd knows how many sheep that he has. 
he uses the rod to count the sheep. In fact, if you see a king's coronation in modern-day society, for example, King Charles had the coronation recently, and you'll notice that they hold in their hand a scepter. The scepter comes back from this biblical example of the rod being authority and being servanthood and serving people, protecting your people. It's symbolism of that coming back from something here back in the times of the Bible, of the ancient times of shepherds and shepherding people and looking after their flock. But there's an interesting parable that Jesus uses in Matthew 18, verse 12, and it says, What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go and look for the one that wandered off? We think about that verse a little bit. If one wanders off, okay, just let the wolves get it. It's more important I focus on the other 99 because I don't want anyone else to wander off. But Jesus is using an example here of running after that one sheep. What was so important about that one sheep? I believe that that one sheep represents us when we stray from where God wants us to be. Sometimes we get sick of waiting. Sometimes we desire something so much and it doesn't happen in our timing, man's timing. We put time limits on God too many times. Lord, I pray to you that this happens. If it hasn't happened by this Friday or this event happens in this particular thing, then I'm, I'm walking away. I'm going to go do this. We start putting our own time limits on God. But God is not limited or constrained by time. If we believe that God exists in eternity, God doesn't run his clock from 9 to 5 and 10 a.m. He's not controlled by a calendar of January and June or December or November. He's not controlled whether it's your birthday and something great's meant to happen to you on that day or not. God lives in eternity. He's not con he created time. He created everything we have here in this earth. And if we believe that and accept that, then we know that he's not constrained by time. We put time limits on God. We put conditions on God. God hasn't put conditions on us. And if he's got his rod and reaching out, and he's counting every single sheep. He cares about that one sheep. He cares about you when you make that decision to walk out of a situation because it might be too difficult or too hard for you. He's with you when you walk away from something that he's promised you, but it didn't happen in your timing, and you gave up on yourself and on God because he believes in you. And his timing is divine. His timing is perfect. And if we do anything to undermine the perfectness of God's timing, then we're assuming he's not perfect. We're assuming that he, therefore, doesn't care enough for us. We're assuming that God hasn't got our back. He doesn't have a plan or a purpose for our life. I believe that that sheep that wandered away thought that the pastures were greener on the other side, the valley on the other side. That sheep maybe decided to go up the ravine, up into the mountain, away from the protection of the valley where the shepherd was looking after the sheep, where the shepherd took them to the green pastures. The shepherd's responsibility is to take them to the refreshing waters. It's not the sheep's role to go look for it. God is there. The shepherd is there looking out, protecting and reaching out and taking you and guiding you and providing for you and showing you where these things are. If you want to receive the promise God has for your life, we need to trust in him. We need to be patient with him. We need to wait for him. We need to serve him. And it's about the how we use our time waiting for God more than just simply just waiting on him and waiting expectantly and not waiting passively and not giving up in our own time frames. Then God will pull through and give you a breakthrough for your life. Do you believe that today, church. 
I believe God's got great things coming to us. I honestly do. That verse I read a little bit earlier from 2 Peter. In the message translation, it says, He is restraining himself on account of you, holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. It's in the valley of our life. Call it the valley of the shadow of death. Call it the darkest valley or just call it a valley, whatever it is. It's the valley where we fight our battles. Everyone here today, myself included, we've got our own battles. There's things that we're battling in our life, battling in our workplace, battling in our families. And that happens in the valley. But the shepherd is watching us. God is waiting for us. And it's how we use that time in that valley experience. I know some of you here today have got high expectations of things you're really wanting. There are people here wanting to get married, meet the right person, people wanting to have a baby, people looking for a job, people wanting to buy a house, people wanting to pay off a mortgage, people wanting a new car, people wanting to reconcile with family, people wanting someone to be saved and come to the Lord, people wanting healing from cancer or other things, people dealing with mental health. We all got stuff. We all got stuff that's going on. But don't be the sheep that wanders away. He'll look for you. He knows where you are. The pastures are always greener on the other side. Trust in the shepherd to show you where it is. There's three different kinds of um, patience that we need to have. There's interpersonal patience, which refers to the ability to be patient with other people. This is the type of patience which is especially important for your relationships, say in the workplace, interacting with your children. The second is Life hardship patience. Life hardship patience is a type of long-term patience we need when we deal with a significant setback in life. I'm sure some of you here have had some setbacks in life. Another word for this type of patience is perseverance. Perseverance is critical in our personal lives, but it's also useful for long-term goal setting at work, school, other parts of our life. And the third one is daily hassle patience. Daily hassle patience is the ability to stay calm through life's little irritations, whether it's keeping your cool in bad traffic, as we talked about earlier, or getting through a tedious task at work. Practicing this type of patience can help improve nearly all aspects of your life. If I could just call the uh, music team up at this point. In the book of Nehemiah, it says, But you are God, ready to forgive gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and you do not forsake your people. God was patient with the people in Genesis. In fact, before the flood came, the Bible tells us that he waited 120 years for them to change their ways before he brought the flood. He was patient with the nation of Israel when they were in Egyptian bondage. He waited 400 years for them. Jesus knew he had a calling on his life. Was he running for the pulpit? Was he running for the next promotion in church? He waited 30 years before he started a ministry that only lasted three. But the legacy of his patience in the Father has continued for history. That's why we're here today. God is patient and he's waiting for you. Israel was a nation in waiting, waiting for the coming of the Messiah. The history of the Jewish nation was a history of suffering and endurance. They were conquered, they were plundered, 
and their temple destroyed by other nations. None of God's promises were fulfilled. But the book of Isaiah says, A voice of one was calling to them. In the wilderness it said, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain hill will be made low. The rough ground shall become level, and the rugged places a plain. Are you wondering when God will fulfill the calling in your life? Do you long to experience a breakthrough in your walk with God? Are you lacking patience and your cup is running dry? Back in 2008, a single me was ready to give up on meeting the one that is now my wife. I wanted to, so badly wanted to get married and settle down. I didn't even worry about kids. I just wanted to, God, just bring the right person. I prophetically bought a van. And I said to God, God, you're going to fill this car with a family, with children, because I believe you've got that coming. And you know what? It didn't happen. And I waited and waited. Years went by. Years went by. And I literally got to a point where I sat back and let go, let God. And when I came to that moment of waiting, I still had this expectancy, but it was a patient expectancy. I said, Lord, I know it's going to happen, but I'm not worrying about it anymore. I'm giving it over to you. I know it's going to happen, but it will just happen when you make it happen. And I opened my heart, and I was sharing a lot to a very good friend of mine about all the ups and downs and all that. And I'm very blessed today to say that that good friend of mine who stood with me in some very tough times is now my wife. And she's standing. God will pull through whatever valley you're in. He will raise the valley up. He will bring the mountain down. The rugged trail will become smooth. He'll build a desert in the highway. And he'll bring you your breakthrough. The message version of the fruits of the Spirit says, but the fruit of the Spirit and here we go in brackets, the result of his presence within us is love in in brackets, unselfish concern for others, joy in brackets, inner joy, peace. And when we get to patience, it says not the ability to wait, but how we act while we're waiting. Church, I believe that there's something you're wanting from God today, and he's ready to start delivering that answer for you. Some of you have been waiting a very long time. But we're going to stand up right now. We're going to start worshipping God in this moment. And I want you to declare in this time while we're singing, while we're worshipping God, whatever it is. You don't have to say it out loud, but God knows what's in your heart this morning. Whatever you've been longing for, it's time. Give it to God. Give it fully over to God this morning. There's no more time for us to sit on our own timing and giving Him time limits, putting conditions on God. Because God is a patient God. But we need to be patient with Him too because we have the characteristics of God because He created us in His image. Amen? Let's worship God right now and just share with Him what's on your heart. I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there's hope and there's freedom, I speak Jesus. Come on, your name is power. Your name is power. 
Jesus. Um, Pastor Jackie, I just feel on my heart to call you up to pray for, for all of us this morning. Pastor Jackie is a woman that's spoken very much into my wife and I's life over the years with her husband, Pastor Melvin. And I just feel, Pastor Jackie, to call you up just to, to pray for our church today. Pray for the breakthrough that they're looking for in God this morning, if you could. just felt very strong this morning for the ones who are trusting God for a baby. I just felt God is going to come through. God is going to give you a breakthrough. This morning, just believe. Just believe. And even as we were singing the song, worship song, I just felt, you know, I'll lay hands and just believe for the miracle this morning. God is going to come through. You know, um, as Julian was uh, preaching this morning and saying, um, trusting God, you know, standing, believing. It's not our time, but God's time. So, you know, this could be your moment. Just believe this morning. Trust God. He is faithful in what He says He would do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, that we could come. We could come to you with every situation. This morning, whatever your situation is, place it before God. God, we come to you and we ask you this morning, God, you're no respecter of persons. You know where we are at, Lord God, and all you want us to be real before you. And Father, we pray every single person this morning as we stand before you, Lord, oh Father, and open our hearts, knowing, Lord God, that you're able, you're more than able, Lord God, to meet us where we are at. And I just pray for every single situation, be it, Lord God, mental healing, be it, Lord God, physical healing, be it family situations, whatever it is, Lord God, we come to you because you are the great physician. You are the great healer. And Lord, we are praying this morning that you would reach down, touch your people. Lord God, that we would go away rejoicing. Lord, knowing that we met you, knowing that, Master, you are faithful, that we will come back, Lord, in the days to come, in the weeks to come, to glorify you, Lord, for all that you have done, Lord God. We give you the glory this morning. We give you the honor for speaking to us, for ministering to us, Lord, and helping us to press through, Lord God, and wait on you, Father, to be patient in you. Because, Father, you're the rewarder, Lord, of everyone who diligently seeks you, Lord. And we will remain, Father, in your presence, Lord, waiting patiently in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll invite Pastor Kim back up the front. Thank you, Pastor. Wow, wow. You know, before we end this morning, God, as Julian preached this morning, He's a patient God. And maybe there is someone here that knows that God has had that for them. And just like that one sheep that has wandered off, we've gone and done our own things. I don't know about you, but I've been there. I've known where I should go. Particularly when I was a young, young person, my late teens, um, I knew where I should go and then I went somewhere else. 
And maybe there is, there is someone here that knows that they are not in the fold as Jesus would have them be. God is not angry at you. You need to break that lie down. God is a loving father. The one, the story of the prodigal son is one of a father that looked out waiting for his son to come home. Waiting for his daughter to return back to him. Patiently waiting, waiting. We're adults, we can't, God, God won't grab us by the scruff of the neck and bring us home to love him. No, you, you get to come home. With no one looking around, every eye closed, every head bowed, if there's someone here that's saying yes, God is calling me home. I want to make that decision, follow Jesus. I want you to do one thing. I want you to raise your hand in just a second. And then I just want to find you after church and I want to pray with you. If that's you and you're saying, yeah, that's me, I, I'm coming home. Why don't you place your hand up? Don't put it down until I see it. Just put your hand up right now with no one looking around. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you're speaking to people right now. Maybe there's something internal within you that's saying, yeah, I know God is calling me to something. I'm being a little bit stubborn. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. But God is calling me. I just pray, Father. I pray for those people. I pray, Lord God, we're all like that. We all know what it is uh, to, to not fall in line with what you are calling us to, but to push, push against and be a little bit stubborn. It's in our human nature to be rebellious. And I pray, Father, that each and every one of us, that you would show us, that you will mold our hearts to one of, um, the one of love and one of alignment with Jesus and his work. I thank you for your people. I pray that each one of us will go out today encouraged, knowing that we have a God who is loving, who's patient, who waits for us, who understands our own struggles, our own insecurities, our own disappointments. He knows. He knows. He walked this earth. He is able to sympathize with us. We thank you. For this and we honor you in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Julian, fantastic word. What I have in mind, put your hands together. What I have in mind is a is a young single Julian in a van. <laughs> Driving around a van for years. That's that's cool. That's cool. It's great to hear uh, what God has done in people's lives. You know, I encourage you, ask someone about their story. Learn about them. What's going on? We all have a story. We all have a story to tell. And I love hearing people's story. Be blessed. Have a great week. Uh, we'll see you back next Sunday. No, we, yes, we will. On 6 I'm so confused. 6.30, we're going to have a worship night. If you're going to be at camp, we'll see you there on Friday. Be blessed, and we'll catch up very soon.